Hello and welcome everyone to Ian Hates Conversations Music Edition. I'm very happy tonight because my special guest is the lead vocalist for the band Harm, Billy Clower. Their new EP, What We Know Is A Drop, came out recently through New Breed Collective, and I love it. I'm a big fan of this band and this talk with Billy, so let's get right to it by beginning with a track from What We Know Is A Drop, here's Bill Dembro Beats The Devil. And I'll see you after the conversation. Enjoy.
right, everyone, and welcome back. I am very happy tonight because I am talking to the lead vocalist of Harm. This is Billy Clower. Billy, how is North Carolina treating you? It's a little rainy today, but pretty good for the most part. That's not terrible. I mean, it's kind of weird. My parents actually just moved down to North Carolina, so I have been there a couple times in my life. The temperature is normally pretty stable, right? Um, not really, honestly. Oh. Um, it, it kind of has really bipolar weather here. Um, so like it, the other day it was 72 degrees during the day and then it got to like, I think like the upper thirties, lower forties by that night. Um, I actually lived in Florida for a good while. So like, I'm not ready for that change when it happens. Right. And so it, it's a little crazy. Um, we're, I guess we're like right on, um, uh, like we hit all the lows and the highs kind of hit North Carolina. So our weather's a little bipolar sometimes, but. Oh, I completely understand where I am in Boston. What happens all the time is we go from 10 degree weather to 60 and then back to 10. Yeah. So it's like, oh, okay, I'll wear a tank top during the morning and then wrap up with a coat and scarf at night. Exactly. I'm never ready though. <laughs> I'm always wearing tank tops. Very true. Very true. So let me ask you then. For Florida, when did you move to North Carolina? I moved to North Carolina. It would have been um, 2013, oh, okay. I believe. I'm really bad at dates, but I think <laughs> it was about that. So it's pretty close to the beginning of the band, right? Yes. Okay. And then I, if I have my dates right, and you just mentioned that you're not that great with them, I'm not great with them either. But I did read, I think your anniversary for Harm is March 2nd, four years ago, right? Yes. Very nice. Do you guys do anything as like a celebration or is that an arbitrary date for you? Um, as far as I know, nothing. There might be something planned that I have no idea about, but I don't think we're doing anything for a celebration for that. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, I had to check. I've never actually seen an actual start date for a band before on a Facebook page, so I thought that was pretty interesting. Yeah, I actually didn't know it was on there, so I learned something new about my own band today. So there we go. Cool. That's what I like to do. That's definitely what I like to do. So let me uh, first preface how I know about the band. So I heard your brand new single, She Knows Who She Is, She Just Forgot For A Little While, and I fell in love. And I said, I need to reach out to Harm and get Billy on the show. So I'm very happy to have you here. Yeah, I'm happy to be here. So how did you decide on that being the first single, the new EP, What We Know Is A Drop, is by the time this comes out, the EP will have already been out, but it's coming out on March 2nd. Um, so I think we kind of all collaborated on um, what songs we felt hit the hardest. Mm -hmm. um, and that's definitely um, kind of the catchiest song that we had. Um, it's it's our second newest song that we wrote. Um, but we definitely like it's our first song with a chorus. Um, so I think that kind of adds <laughs> to it, too. But we were just like, hey, this is something that like, you know, we feel like people can sing along to and really hook on to. So that's that's kind of what was the deciding factor to make that our single. Very true. Yeah. You know, going through past music years and then obviously I've been able to listen to the new EP for a couple of days before getting a chance to speak with you. That is kind of true. Like you don't often hear a lot of choruses in your music. Yeah, I think a, a lot of it was like um, we we strayed away from choruses for a long while. Mm -hmm. um, we kind of didn't want to be like 
core, like kind of cheesy chorus band. Um, and like there was a couple of the members that were like, oh, choruses are fine. That's what people sing to. And like me as a vocalist, I was cool with it. Um, because that's what I sing along to too. Right. But um, I think um for a good while we were kind of almost trying to be like a cred band and we wanted to do something different and like we were worried that that would kind of put us into the poppier side of things um and like especially being a band with a female vocalist we're like well we don't want to be another paramour (laughs) um so we strayed away from choruses for a while but then um we had a couple buddies that kind of talked us into just giving it a shot and seeing how it would work out and we were like, hey, it's not so bad to have a chorus. Um, and now I, I think we're probably going to write with them a lot more. Ah, gotcha. Well, for getting together and deciding on what's going to be the next single, how do you guys decide on doing that? Um, honestly, it's like fully a vote system. Um, so we normally send a text out and it's like, hey, what song do you guys think would be best? And Um, weirdly the next song that we're actually going to bring out it was all unanimous like everyone texted at the same time with the exact same song um so for the most part we agree on things so that kind of works out too um I think really it's just what song we think is gonna kind of catch people's attention the most and also what song we love playing the most um and typically um like I said most of us agree on it so that kind of works out in our favor right now I'm assuming that also goes for creating a set list when you're playing live, right? Um, typically, the set list um, honestly goes from like a guitar tuning standpoint. Um, so we normally, um, our guitarists have two different guitars and different tunings. Mm-hmm. So we kind of try to keep the flow of the set list um, with what's easiest for them as transitions, especially as we have tracks between our songs. Um uh, but mostly our guitarist, um, Andrew, kind of picks out like what he thinks is going to flow best and sets that up. And then our synth player, Andrew, will kind of like add the tracks in to, to kind of blend along with that, too. Oh, OK. So, yeah, it's more of a flow during the set list than it is necessarily like we love playing this one, even though I'm sure you do still love playing those tracks as well. Yeah. OK. That makes total sense. Then. And you do have some tour dates. Now, like I said, I'm not sure when this episode is actually going to be able to come out, but you do have some upcoming dates to support the new EP, what we know as a drop. And you've got some dates. I think there's one in Tennessee. There's some in Georgia. How did you decide on how you're going to do that tour, you know, distance wise? But then also, what are you looking most forward to? Um, I think a lot of this tour, um, well, originally we were actually going to tour with another band that we're really close friends with. Mm -hmm. um, And then it kind of fell through. I know they have a lot on their plate um, this year. Um, And so that original plan fell through. And so a lot of it was kind of like, hey, reaching out, like, where can we play and kind of building, um, building the dates up from there, um, like where we got our first show. Um, I, I love this tour is a blend of like a mixture of places we haven't played before um mixed with places we have played before so it's going to be you know a good blend of that um we've never been to tennessee before so that was definitely one place that we wanted to kind of reach out to this time right um being kind of close to us it's kind of um and we've only done down south in the past too um so that's kind of a little bit out west um, and then we um you know we have a lot of um georgia connections so that kind of all pieced together um we actually played um, in Georgia, would have been about a month ago now, and kind of just asked, hey, we have these open dates. Like, do you guys have anything going on? Um, and set that up for that as well. So 
it kind of was a little bit of like who we know when you know, where we know people and then trying to also patch in places that we've never played before. Yeah, that makes total sense as well. What is the scene like in North Carolina? Because I know you're going to be hitting a couple dates up there. You guys are located in Greensboro, correct? Yeah, we're in Greensboro, North Carolina. Um, our One of our guitarists is actually in Raleigh. Um, oh. And then the rest of us live in like the High Point area slash Greensboro. So, and then... Um, our uh, key player actually currently lives in South Carolina, um, so he's kind of traveling back and forth right now. They're trying to move either Greensboro, Raleigh area, so mm-hmm. he's close to us. But so now, do you normally play in Raleigh? Do you have an area in North Carolina that you really connect with? Honestly, we haven't played there as much as I would like to. Um, we definitely stayed in Greensboro for a good while um, and kind of almost over, overstayed our welcome here, but. Um, <laughs> Most of our shows were in Greensboro just because that was local to us and that's where we knew people. Um, We're definitely trying to branch out to the Raleigh scene and the Charlotte scene more. And we've gotten to play there more this year um, and kind of get familiar with those scenes as well. Right. And that makes sense because in Raleigh, that's where Revival Recordings is located. So I'm assuming that they have a good amount of shows and a good scene there, I would think. Yeah, they definitely do have a lot going on there. Um, I know Greensboro is kind of like really hit and miss, um, which I think is half the reason we're really trying to expand out of that. Um, We used to have a really good scene here, and then it's kind of like fills it all out as people grew older. Ah. Um, And so, yeah, we're definitely trying to play in Raleigh more. They have, I think they have more going on there as of right now. Right. Yeah, you never know when things are going to change. Well, tell me about the New Breed Collective. Yeah, so Newbury Collective um, is actually uh, started out, um, one of our good friends, Born Hollow, was, I, th- I think, as far as I know, honestly, I'm going to be honest, I don't really know a whole lot about the founding of it. Um, oh, sure. But I know um, that it started out with Born Hollow. Um, they're a local band from around here. Actually, um, Andrew, our guitarist and vocalist, he used to play in Born Hollow for a little, little stint. Oh, okay. Um, and then we... Say what now? I'm sorry. Hold on one second. No problem. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Sorry. Andrew is actually in the other room and he's like yelling things at me <laughs> through the door. So don't mind that. Um, but yeah, Luke Williams is the vocalist um, from Born Hollow. And as far as I know, it's his baby. Um, okay. But he kind of brought us in on that. And then, um, you know, we have a couple other good friends and bands that are in that. And it's, it's really, you know, about trying to network and, and bring that together. That makes sense. So, when I check out, you know, I try to do as much research as I can. Are they the one that's going to be putting out the new EP? Yeah, so everything that we do, because um, it's all DIY stuff, so everything we do is under Newbury Collective. Um, and it's it's all still independent, but then it's kind of like a network of bands that have kind of joined together. Right. Um, so our new EP will be under there, and then a, a lot of our merch has their name on there, too, to kind of promote that along with our name. Right, right. So you kind of have a network that can also help with marketing, for getting tours together, you know, for letting people yeah. know the EP's coming out, that kind of thing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And it's really helpful for, like, um, you know, we all kind of try to help each other with booking. Um, and, you know, there's people that different bands know in different areas. And so it really helps with that as well. Finding place. There might be people in states that one band knows that another band doesn't. And so it, it's definitely helped us a lot to be a part of that. Yeah. Now, 
would one of your goals, because you're doing so much DIY still with New Breed Collective, are you looking for a label or are you comfortable doing what you're doing right now? Um, as of right now, we're honestly kind of in that transition period. Mm -hmm. um, for a good while, we were doing a lot of stuff DIY. And as of right now, that is what we're doing. Um, but we are kind of wanting to branch out eventually to have that that label, um, you know, to kind of support us to get to that next step. Right. Um, we used to only really play DIY venues and we're definitely trying to play like bigger venues um, mm -hmm. and, and try to branch out of that a little bit. Yeah. And is having that label background, I know I have, these are a lot more in-depth questions, but I find this very interesting. Is having that label, is that really the best way to get into those bigger venues? Um, honestly, I think it really depends on who you go with. Um, and that's why we're we're not definitely not trying to jump on board with anyone at this particular point in time. Right. Um, you know, we've had a, a couple of labels that are like more local and wouldn't really do much more than us being a DIY band reach out to us. Um, if it is another, you know, a label that can get us more credibility, you know, kind of get us into spots that we might not be, be able to get into personally. Um, I definitely think we're going to try to branch out to that. Um, but we're definitely going to be really cautious with it to make sure that it's something that would benefit us in the long run. Yeah, that makes total sense. So this is all done right now with the new EP and the tour. This is all done pretty much by yourself. Are you also doing merch and everything? Yeah, so we um, actually all of our T-shirts and our patches and all that good stuff is actually designed by um, Andy our guitarist. He works at a photo studio, so he has a lot of that kind of Photoshop knowledge and um, being able to edit that stuff for us. Um, and our beanies, um, we actually we made the designed the patches for them, and then I actually sat up with the sewing machine yesterday and sewed all the patches oh, off the beanies. Wow! So we do a lot of that stuff DIY too, um, which you know saves a lot of money. But right. yeah, every everything T-shirt. Um, we had some help with the album cover, mm -hmm. um, but then most of the stuff we tried to do ourselves. Oh, very nice. So now going back in the past a little bit. I did want to ask this once again. You're a newer band to me, so I get to ask some questions I might not know the answer to. So did you start out as Broken Harmonics? Yeah. So um, Broken Harmonics was the first name that we started out with um, and an era that we tried to forget. Um, we were definitely a lot different back then, um, right. which is why we rebranded ourselves as Harm. Also, it's a lot easier for people to remember that name. Oh, sure. Yes. Um, <laughs> So we started out with broken harmonics. It was a lot of um, kind of spoken word stuff. Um, I, I was a big fan of Law Dispute at the time, and sure. I'd never really tried to do heavy music before. So um, we were trying to do heavier music, but not try to go too poppy with it. Right. Um, so we started out doing the spoken word thing and then kind of branched from there, um, started to add more singing vocals. And then mm -hmm. we decided we liked that a lot more um, and rebranded ourselves as Harm. Now, was that branding after the EP part and before Quiet Life, or was it after Quiet Life that you became Harm? Yeah, it was after part was our last, um, it was our EP under um, Broken Harmonics, mm -hmm. and then we went ahead and rebranded right before Quiet Life. Okay, all right. So the rebranding had to do with the direction of style that you wanted to go in. Yeah, we kind of got to the point where we'd had... Um, you know, quite a few member changes in mm -hmm. the band, um, and as well as sound changes. 
Um, and so we felt like we weren't really broken harmonics and, and this, the, you know, representation of that that people remembered us for, we, we felt like we were a very different band at that point. And so we felt like rebranding ourselves as harm, um, not only would be a more memorable name to people, but would also kind of fit more of what we were doing at the time. Right. Yeah. And that makes total sense. I watched the behind the scenes video of part and what that album or what that EP is about. And that would make sense. If you've had member changes and you've had a sound change, you probably don't need to play that anymore. Yeah. So most, well, all of those songs from Broken Harmonics era are kind of dead and gone at this point. So Yeah. I certainly wasn't going to ask, are you going to be playing those tracks? I just wanted to know where the change was. So that makes complete sense then that you had Quiet Life and now going into what we know as a drop. So can you kind of explain a little bit of the difference between or the mindset that you had when you were doing Quiet Life compared to what we know as a drop? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so when we did Quiet Life, um, we definitely still kind of wanted to stay along the concept album thing, mm-hmm. um, which we had done previously with Broken Harmonics. Um, and I, I think a lot of the difference between the two albums is um, – you know, this record to us, we really didn't try to fit into any mold. Um, we didn't have any concept about what the songs were going to be or what the sound was going to be. Um, you know, it was definitely a very free experience. Um, you know, I, I, as a vocalist, like I wrote, you know, whatever I was feeling at the time that we wrote each song. Okay. Um, and then, you know, the, the music is a lot different to us. Um, we, with, um, Quiet Life, we were definitely worried about, like, are we going to be too poppy? Are we going to be too heavy? Um, you know, are we going to be... We were still kind of worried to an extent of being a cred band, and we there were certain bands that we love, like Under Earth and Paramore, and we just didn't want to be too much of that right. um, at the time that we wrote that. But this album is definitely us just being what we love as musicians and being what we grew up listening to. Um, so I feel like there was a lot of difference between writing the two, um, mostly just even if that's experience, just, you know, being more free in our writing and not worrying about a certain concept. Okay. So with Quiet Life, because I've listened to that before as well, multiple times, and I certainly wouldn't call that a bad EP by any means, but it sounds like you were saying that maybe you were a little bit more hindered, maybe not necessarily being exactly yourself on that EP compared to the new one? Yeah, I think we were, um, when we wrote Quiet Life, I think we were a lot worried about what other people would think about right, it. Um, right. And then me as a vocalist, I did love having the concept and you know having the story behind it, but I also have never written that way before. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think for me, it was probably the most different um, just because we, we sat down and we were like, okay, we were gonna write an EP about this one particular subject and right. all the songs are gonna be coherent. Um, Whereas this EP, although the songs ended up being coherent in the long run, um, you know, it, it was a lot more about like, hey, what are your thoughts? What are your feelings? Just get that out on paper, whatever it may be. So, Right. Would you go back to doing a concept again, like an official concept? Um, I'm honestly not fully against the idea. Mm-hmm. Um I've done it, you know, with our last, with our two previous. So right. I, I didn't hate it completely. Um, but 
I'm kind of weird when I write stuff. Um, I honestly just listen to the music, kind of feel it out. And then I just write words down and then kind of figure out what they mean to me at the time and where they're coming from. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm definitely a, a person that inter- internalizes my feelings. So I think it's kind of a way of me like, hey, this thing is going on. And now I realize that this is affecting me in a certain way. Ah, um, okay. So I enjoy writing in that style because it is more of a release for me. Um, but yeah, def- definitely not against the idea of a concept album. Um, I think at the time it was really good because um, Quiet Life was actually about me and Andy's marriage and like things that we were going through at the time. And it was a very open discussion about that. Um, so in a way it was still releasing, but then towards the end of it, we had kind of worked through a lot of the things. So I didn't feel as passionately about it. Ah, so, um, okay. you know, that kind of hindered me uh, as a songwriter, but at the same time, there was also a lot of parts of it that were good. So I'm not, not against it, not for, it. I think it really depends on the time that we write it and, and what's going on at that time. No, for sure. So when you mentioned the writing process, does that mean that the music is always done before you start writing? Or do you also jot things down as you feel them too? Um, there's been a couple of times that I've kind of had like one line down that I throw into a song. But for the most part, as a writer, I've typically gone off the music first Okay. Um, and kind of let that fill it out. And honestly, like even writing a song is not structured. Like I don't write like a verse and a chorus and a verse. Um, I'll write random lines and then like match them to the melody. Um, the melody normally comes first for me and then I kind of throw words into it. So Okay. All right. So then for people that know the band, obviously, this is one of my favorite dynamics in music. I love female fronted bands like yourself doing clean vocals with someone doing unclean vocals either back and forth or over top. I love that dynamic. So how do you guys write that? Are you writing everything? Is that Andrew that's doing all the screaming? Um, it's Andrew and Ernest that both okay. do the screaming. Um, and then I actually, um, for the most part, the majority of the vocals I write, there's been a couple times that there's been input from them. Um, but yeah, normally I actually write the parts and kind of think about a back and forth conversation in the writing. Ah. And I kind of enjoy that. So like I get to think of like three different vocals while right. I'm writing. Um, so it's challenging at times, <laughs> but it, it also kind of allows me to add different dialects and and have a back and forth thing. So if I want to write from two different people's perspectives, mm-hmm. I can kind of add that to my dynamics when I'm writing. Yeah, I definitely heard that where it does seem like it's more conversation-based in a way, where a lot of times bands don't write it that way. It's someone coming in from the side. It kind of flows with what you're doing, but I did like that more conversational style that I heard you guys do on the new EP. Yeah, and I I wonder if it makes me kind of like split personality sometimes <laughs> that I get to do that, but it's kind of cool because I might have a, an idea of... Um, or conversation be it between like um I know one of our songs that we wrote was more about like facing like addictions and things that hold you back and so I got to kind of do um from both the perspective of the person that is going through that and then like kind of the the darker side of that um and so it, it kind of adds something artistic for me that I get to kind of play around with so I do enjoy getting to do that right do Andrew and Ernest then decide on what style of unclean vocals that they're going to do for it? Or do you also have that kind of mapped out in your mind? 
Um, typically I kind of present, normally I go through with Andrew and kind of like present, cause I don't, obviously I don't scream, so I don't really know how that would work. Um, so normally I'll put it in front of him and honestly, a lot of it depends on who's playing what guitar part at the time, ah, sure. um, to, to who's going to get to scream it. And then they have, you know, two different sounds to their voice. Mm -hmm. Um, so they'll get to kind of like figure out what, like whether it be the pacing that I wrote it, um, what kind of matches their vocals better. Um, so I, I'll present it all and then kind of try to tell them how to scream it because I don't know how. <laughs> and they kind of like take it and run with it. And they might change the wording to kind of fit into what they need to do. Right. Um, and then all of our harmonies, um, Andy normally kind of listens and figures out where he thinks that a good dynamic would be to add a harmony in there as well. Ah, okay. All right. Well, that's really interesting. So do you guys write all together with the music or is it more, you know, does everyone else get together and then they transfer it over to you? How does the normal writing process that way go? Um, normally it's, it, we've had kind of a, a mix. Most of the writing process actually starts with Andy. Um, he'll kind of figure out compositionally, um, guitar parts and that kind of thing. We do have a song. We actually recently switched Ernest to guitar. Right. Um, so we recently did a song that Ernest wrote and we kind of build upon it. Um, but yeah, for the most part, Andy will start with like the basic structure of the song. And then Winston and Ernest will kind of come in and tweak their parts and, and kind of figure out what they want to do in it. And then I'm normally the last piece of the puzzle. So once they're done playing around with it, I'll kind of go in and listen to the track and listen to them play it live and write the vocals on top of it. Well, that's an interesting process. All right. so. You have a very unique voice, especially for this scene of music. And you mentioned, you know, not wanting to necessarily be a paramour, not wanting to be too poppy and kind of flowing into what you want the band to be. Where did you begin liking this style of music and knowing that this is the kind of style you want to do? Yeah, so originally um, I actually came from... Um, singing a lot of gospel and soul and um, jazz. Okay. And that was kind of my upbringing. I lived in Tampa, Florida for a while. So, you know, a lot of the music around there was hip hop and R&B. Um, so I definitely grew up around that. And um, I started out actually singing like hooks for rappers and that oh, kind okay. of thing. Um, so completely different world. And then I moved up to North Carolina and everything here was hardcore. Right. Um, and I had never heard of it never experienced it before but i had a good friend that i met here at a youth group and she was like hey there's this new music like you should listen to it you should check it out and she took me to a show and i just really fell in love with the culture um I, i'm actually originally long time ago i moved over from england when i was 11 oh okay and so there was a lot of me trying to fit in figure out you know where my part was in america i guess <laughs> and figuring out the culture here and um that was the first time I really felt like I belonged, um, I guess, somewhere. Sure. Like, I, I understood the music. And, um, you know, I was about probably about 14, 15 when I first heard it. So going through a lot of the teenage angst, like, I feel like <laughs> you relate to that a lot, too. Right. Um, and then for the longest time, I wanted to do that style of music, but I didn't really know how to as a female and you know, having the the jazz and the soulfulness and, you know, having a different style to the the abruptness of it. Um, and so it definitely took me a good while to be a part of that. Um, I went first into like doing indie music and acoustic. 
Um, and then it kind of got to the point where I was like, hey, I really like heavy music and I really want to get to the point where I can do that. Um, and so, you know, I just tried it out. And I think that's why I started out spoken word because I didn't really know how to sing to it at first. Ah, okay. And then I kind of like built from that and adapted to it. Wow. So it seems like you had some almost classical training then, right? Yeah, I've done, um, I went to school for a good while in college. I was actually doing um, music classes. So I've done classic and contemporary. Um, and, and the best thing about it, my vocal teacher back then actually taught um, screaming and like techniques behind that. Oh. So she she kind of like felt like I had that in me, but right. didn't know where to put it. And so <laughs> she kind of taught, she kind of helped me along the process of trying to figure that out too. Okay. Yeah, because I think when people listen to your music, I would say for sure, like I said before, you have that unique delivery that isn't maybe, you know, I think a lot of female fronted bands probably go through a similar thing where it's like everyone's worried or maybe they even want to be compared to Paramore. And that's like the end all be all of everything. But there are so many great female fronted bands out there that are so unique. And you now get to be in that same scene where you're just bringing something completely different. And I, I think a lot of that was my goal. Like growing up, obviously, I love Paramore and mm -hmm. I love to see another girl, you know, do that style of music. Um, but then I was like, also, I'm a redhead, so I don't want to be compared <laughs> to that. Right. Um, so I very much try to find my own in it rather than trying to emulate Haley Williams because I'm like, I can't I can't live up to those standards. and I don't even <laughs> want to try. Um, yeah. So there was definitely a lot of trying to incorporate you know my past and my the soul that i learned and you know the softer vocals and that kind of thing rather than trying to trying to copy something that's been done before and is great and i don't want to try to compete with right right and it's actually a little bit of an interesting transition for you because a lot of times when you talk about someone like paramore are there other bands in the scene that i can name where they started out you know quote unquote heavier and then kind of mellowed out into that more poppy vibe. It's almost like you've done the opposite and you're not really looking to go back to that poppiness, at least not right now. Yeah, definitely. Um, we've gone kind of the opposite. I've definitely gone from like doing the poppier soulful thing. And then I'm like, hey, I kind of want to be heavy and, right. and express that. <laughs> and that makes total sense. Let me ask you before we get into some more vocal stuff. You mentioned living in England for a significant period of time. Where did you live in England? Um, so originally, and this is going to be weird because I promise you my accent is going to start flipping when I talk <laughs> about this. Um, so originally I was born in Walsall, um, which is um, close to Birmingham. Mm -hmm. yep. um, and then I grew up in Wolverhampton out there. Um, I lived there till I was about seven. And then I moved over to Shropshire, um, Telford, which is beautiful countryside. So I got to be outside a lot as a kid, which I loved. Right. Um, yeah, so I lived there until I was 11 years old, and then we moved over to Tampa, Florida, which was very different, yeah. but also really exciting being a kid because there's Disney there, and <laughs> right. so it was new. <laughs> no, that's very true, and the reason why I ask is because I also went through something similar. I lived in England for a while. I bounced around. I'm an Air Force brat, so okay. it was a big change going from, like, I went from Germany to England, but the biggest shock I actually lived in Greece as well the biggest shock was though going from England to the states the culture is so different you're treated differently and it was interesting I have no accent whatsoever 
but it was interesting to hear you because I, you know, I know all the soccer teams. I'm a big soccer fan. So to hear you say okay. Wolverhampton the way that you say it is the correct way to do it. <laughs> well, I didn't lose that at least. Um, yeah, no, it, it was really weird because um, moving over here, um, you know, my parents told me, hey, we're thinking about going to America. And my brother was all for it. And I was like, no, that we can't do that. Like I, I was, you know, 11 already in my awkward, like preteen phase. <laughs> right, right. Um, and so it, it took me a long while to process. And then I was like, well, it's OK, because, you know, they speak the same language and it's it's pretty much the same culture. And then moving here and finding out that that was not at all true. Right. Um, and. I think a lot of me losing my accent was people didn't even understand like my parents, my brother when they moved over. And so I would try to like say things in American accent to, to translate for them. My mom is actually from Derbyshire. Oh, okay. Um, and she has a really thick accent. And <laughs> so she would go through a drive through and people didn't know what she was trying to say. And so I'd be like, she's trying to order some water, <laughs> like trying to say it with a D instead of a T. Ah, uh, sure. <laughs> no, that's great. Cause I, I definitely relate to that. Same thing happened with my family. I mean, it wasn't as bad because we weren't native, you know, English, but still the same kind of rules apply. So when you were over there, did you already have music or was music more of a coping mechanism when you got to Florida? So I already had actually had music kind of installed to me at a very young age. Okay. Um my mom and my dad are both musicians um, and very artistic people. So they, they kind of like brought me in on that at, at a young point. Um, my granddad sings in a choir and travels all over England in it. Wow. Um, and so it's definitely something that my family has followed through with. My dad plays bass. My mom sings. Um, and so it kind of started out. Um, I did piano lessons for a while as a kid. And then I think around age eight, my mom put me in drum lessons. Mm -hmm. And then I did music for a while. Um, vocally, I actually did Broadway for a little bit, which is wow. very different to what I do now. <laughs> um, but that's kind of where, I, like, I guess if you really want to go back to my root roots, um, <laughs> that's where it all started. Okay. Um, and so I would sing Mary Poppins songs and play them on the piano. Um, so, yeah, it's definitely been with me my whole life. I think um, it probably did get stronger for me when I moved to America. Um that's kind of when I started writing my own acoustic songs and, you know, kind of getting my feelings and thoughts out on music. Um, so I definitely did bond with it more after I moved here, but it, it's kind of been with me my whole life. Right. So you had a lot of not only training vocally, but training with instruments as well. Would you ever try and put in some more like piano work or anything into future releases? Yeah, so I've definitely thought about picking that back up. Um, <laughs> honestly, I, I, guitar-wise, I'm going to probably stay clear a while for that. Um, I have really small hands, and so I cannot play bar chords to save my life. And gotcha. that's really where I stopped playing guitar. I was actually kind of taking classes when I was in college for music, and um, my guitar teacher was like, yeah, you really can't reach these chords. <laughs> um, so that's a struggle that I have. The ukulele, I'm great on because my hand fits it. All right, <laughs> um, all right. But yeah, I definitely want to pick up a more, especially now we're incorporating synth in the band, and I know mm -hmm. Andrew's phenomenal on that, so like I probably yep. wouldn't have a piece in that, but it does make me kind of want to bring back some of the, even if it's writing on the side, getting to go back to some of the piano work I used to do, and and I'm trying to do more acoustic music by myself, um, okay. just to have something on the side that I do that's my own, 
um, but I'm not that great at instruments. Um, it kind of got to the point where I realized I was compromising a lot vocally, trying to play the guitar and sing rather than just focus on one thing at a time. Um, and I kind of like to be able to zone out and do my own thing when I do music. So right. vocals was just what came most natural to me. So I stay with that. Okay. So then when you talk about doing acoustic versions, you know, on your own or acoustic new originals on your own, are you still going to be, you know, asking the guys in the band to back you up for that? Um, I think it, it's actually going to be um, one of my best friends plays acoustic guitar and she does way better than I oh, do. Okay. Um, so we kind of talked about doing a side project. So I get to do that softer acoustic side with them. Um, anytime we do, we've done some acoustic sets as a band and mm -hmm. I always have them back me up because I, I'm just not talented enough. Um, so I think a lot of that will be more for for fun. And I might try to do it myself too, but I just don't know how good that will end up. <laughs> sure. Well, where are you finding all this time to do all these side projects anyways? I mean, you've got a tour, you've got the new EP coming out. It seems like you wouldn't even have time to do something like that. Yeah, I really don't. So <laughs> I talk a lot about it and there's there's little due to it. Um most of the time, it's kind of when we're more on a slow period of a writing period, I might just kind of jam out with friends for fun. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, it will definitely be very sparse. Um, I work a nine to five. So like any evenings that I don't really have much going on, I kind of sit around and play with things by myself, sure. But um, which is why it's more for fun and not serious because the band and my job do take up most of my time. Right, right. So let me ask, we've actually had a bunch of debates and discussions on the weekly Ian Hayes music show. So I wanted to kind of ask you more of a, you know, a serious question here with being a female fronted band as you are, do you find any resistance to the style of music that you're playing when you go out either live shows, people in the industry, has it been more difficult for you to really, you know, put your foot in there? Yeah, I think it has been a little weird at times. Um, there's definitely, you know, times that we've kind of been ending up stuck on a bill with more metal bands um, that we really aren't as heavy as. Um, and, you know, they kind of get up and see a girl and they hope that they at least scream and then I don't. So sure. kind of, I, I feel like there, there can be disappointment there. Um, it's kind of a stigma in a good and a bad way. You know, there's definitely people that are like, hey, I'm going to watch you because you're a female fronted vocalist and I love that a girl's doing this and then at the same time there's people that you know just kind of want something heavier being in the style that we are sure um and so they're they're definitely not ready for a girl to just come up and kind of sing <laughs> um and and a lot of it is weird also uh, it's gotten better I think the further that we've got but there was definitely periods of time where like we would play shows and like I just kind of felt like I was like just there and like oh. nobody really knew how to talk to me or how to approach me um which was funny to me because i've grown up like I, I grew up a tomboy i grew up around all guys so like to me i was just like yeah this is my thing like i i'm in a band and <laughs> um i just it just fit naturally but there's definitely um pros and cons to it um right. we we try not to play on it a whole lot um because you know it can kind of I hate to say it because I'm a girl in a band, but like there's kind of like a cheese around it. Like, yeah, female vocalists, like female bands, like let's all play together. And so I try to stay away from kind of playing on that too much and sure. focusing more on the genre that we're in and playing with the bands in the style of us. Right. Um, but yeah, it, it was weird because I didn't think it would be such a big thing until 
you know, we were a band and we started to kind of get out there and, and realize that, you know, that's, that, that is a good, a good thing and a bad thing to some people. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, I think the debate goes a little bit. We talked about this on a recent segment that I think it's a very low percentage of female fronted bands in the, you know, in the rock scene. It's like, if you look at your playlist, sometimes people will only have maybe 5% female fronted bands my question to you would be do you tend to listen to more female fronted bands like when you're you know getting influences from the scene in general do you find that you listen to a conquer divide more than someone who is a male fronted band does that change anything for you um you know it's kind of funny because i feel like the answer should be like yeah i totally listen to that a lot <laughs> being in it myself um but honestly uh, i don't have a lot of experience myself with female fr- fronted bands sure. um most of the stuff that I really love and listen to um, have male vocalists. Um, I also feel like I don't really sing in the typical girl range. So um, a lot of the music that like I feel comfortable singing and like kind of jamming out um, is guy fronted. Um, so I don't know if that has anything to do with it. But um, yeah, I definitely don't have a lot of experience in it. And I don't know if it's just there's not a whole lot out there. or Maybe I haven't even <laughs> spent enough time to look for it myself. Um but also I don't kind of seek that out as like a thing. I love when we get to play in a band that happens to have a girl, but like, I, I kind of see it as just, Hey, you're a person in a band. Like, um, so I've never really separated it too much in my mind. Um, so I don't really seek that out. Right. I mean, my opinion has always been that I think it is weird if you do seek, you know, one or two of those things out in general, if I was like, wow, I have to hear a male-fronted band, I think that's weird. If I go, oh, I have to hear a female-fronted band, I think that's weird. I think people just have, you know, the taste, whatever strikes them is the music that you listen to. Yeah, I think my favorite, um, I actually saw a bumper sticker the other day on Facebook, and it was like, female-fronted is not a genre. Right. And I I was like, I need to get that for my car because it's so true. Um, But it has become a genre in a way like there's a lot of shows that people are like yeah i'm putting together this show with bands with girls and i'm like why can't it just be a show (laughs) you know and um but to me it's just no different um i've definitely always blended with the guys you know i have a lot of like what's it like touring as a girl like is it ever weird and i'm like no i'm just on tour like anyone else um so yeah there's definitely a lot of a lot of stigma with the girlfriended and and I wish more people were in it and and it wasn't such a big divide but um I don't know I know me personally as a girl I didn't know that I could be a part of heavy music until I gave it a shot so right. I I think a lot of people don't really know how to fit into it sometimes and that might be part of it yeah I think that's a good way to put it for sure yeah a lot of people until they see something quote unquote out of the norm Unless they see that, they don't know necessarily that they can do it. You went out there and you said, I'm going to do it, which is awesome. So let me ask you this then. For music that's out right now, is there anything that's been influencing you? Um, Honestly, I, I am a sucker for the past. Sure. Um, So most of the stuff that I listen to that still influences me is what I used to listen to when I grow up. Mm-hmm. Um, And so I don't really get... Um, a whole lot of influence from newer stuff. I also don't have a whole lot of time to kind of really follow it as much as I wish I did. But, um, you know, there's definitely, you know, certain things that have stuck with me um, throughout lyric writing and throughout, um, throughout being a part of the band that's always stayed with me. Um, 
and I kind of stick with them. Um, I know for me, lyric wise, Law Dispute has always been a huge influence sure. um, on me. I love um, the writing and the words. And so that's one thing I stick with. Um, there, There's definitely newer stuff that's out there that I, I thoroughly appreciate, but I don't feel like anything inspires me as much as what I listened to when I was younger. Right. And I think a lot of that comes from I'm trying to be what bands were to me back then. Um, so I kind of want to stay in that feeling and that momentum from it. Yeah. And I think you're definitely able to hear that in what we know as a drop because it does have that old style, you know, early screamo post hardcore, you know, like early 2000s. It could easily fit into that time period. Yeah, definitely. Um, a, a lot of our influences come from, um, you know, bands that we grew up with, Under Oath and Acid's Burn. Um, and we definitely are, are mostly influenced by that because I feel like nothing really influences you the same as when you're a teenager and when you're growing up. Sure. Um, and a lot of the bands, you know, for us back then were, you know, they helped us get through certain things. And, and you know, being a vocalist and a, a lyric writer, I really try to kind of write songs that people can relate to. Mm -hmm. And I feel like I mostly related to music back then just because, you, you go through so much as a teenager in a growing period. And so that's kind of what you latch on to. And, and nostalgia is a big thing for our generation. So it does definitely. tend to happen. That is very true. Well, were you able to hear the new Under Oath track? I did hear the new Under Oath track. Um, I, I've been waiting for that for a little while. So I was really excited to find out that it came out, um, especially being from Florida and Under Oath being such a big band there too. <laughs> right. um, and Honestly, I, I felt a lot of mixed emotions from it at first. Um, okay. I know a lot of people were were disappointed in the rockier vibes, but I kind of already expected that from them. Right. Um, to me, I loved it. Um, it took me a couple of listens to try to kind of really get into it. <laughs> sure. But I expected to hate it because I was like, it's been so long since Under Earth put anything out. They're right. my favorite band. I know they're going to disappoint me because <laughs> nothing's going to be as good as what it used to be. <laughs> um, but I felt a lot of their old vibes, especially in the verses. Um, even though it had, you know, the chorus is definitely more of a rock song. Sure. Um, but it, it's so much better than, you know, the generic rock that's out there these days. And it, it felt so much a part to me, like a throwback to their past, but they're also, you know, doing something new for them. Right. Um, so I, I was I was a fan. It, like I said, it took a couple of times to really listen and decide how I felt about it. Right. Um, but I'm just excited that they're, they're still around and they're still doing music. I mean, they're all fantastic musicians. So oh, yeah. To me, that's exciting. I have an under tattoo on my ankle, actually. Oh, so really? I'm, okay. I'm, I'm a pretty big fan. Yeah. <laughs> Anything you get tattooed on yourself, I would consider people a big fan of. Yeah. Sure. I actually, it's funny. I got like the, the O on my ankle and I got it pretty small. Um, and so my husband's all, and he's like, yeah, I'm going to get that too. And then he got a giant one on his forearm. So I was <laughs> like, are you trying to outdo me? Right. But... <laughs> now, are you excited? Like, do you get to go out and see bands live as well besides when you're touring? So are you excited that Under Oath is going out on that big tour? Oh, yeah. We are actually already planning that trip out. Nice. Um, 
we went to their final show in Florida. I was actually living there at the time, so we got to go see them at Janice Live. Oh, nice. Um, and then we were there. We actually went to both the Charlotte and the Atlanta date um, where they did Chasing Safety oh, to find the Great Line. That's awesome. Um, and then we went to go see them with um, when they played with Beartooth yep. and Bring Me the Rise, and we went down to Atlanta to see them. So we definitely go to any live show that under earth does that's the one band that i'm like i'm there to see yeah, them right. and i will always go to see them <laughs> um but um they've, they've actually been a really big part of our lives i know um andy and i actually ended up meeting through an under earth show through oh, a mutual okay. friend um so so it's been a big part of my marriage as well as our band yeah so it, it's kind of cool um they, they've kind of and they're the first band that i listen to in the genre um, oh, so right. I think that has a lot of connection. I listened to Define the Great Line. My friend showed it to me and I was like, what is this? It's awesome. <laughs> I love this. Um, where can I get more? Right. So they they were definitely my breakout band into the hardcore scene and post-hardcore scene. And um, so, yeah, I definitely connect with them the most. Wow. Yeah, that makes complete sense. So I did kind of skip over this. We hadn't talked about it at all. What is it like being in a band with your husband? Um, so it's actually really funny. So we started out um, back when we were dating. We talked about being in different bands and our bands toured together. Um, and I knew he wanted to do heavier music than me um, at the time because I, I was like, oh, well, I guess I'll kind of be in a band like Paramore because that's what I can do as a girl. <laughs> um, and so it, it took a lot of convincing because um, – at first he was like, we, we can't be in a band together. Like it's going to be weird for our relationship. Um, and you know, we didn't want to be like that couple that's fighting in the band. <laughs> um, and so it, it ended up actually him writing songs and me kind of like, Hey, let me just try to write to it mm -hmm. um, and see how it works out. Um, but honestly, it's, it's not as weird as we had thought it was from the get go. Okay. Um, a lot of it, you know, we're very honest with each other. We've been together since we were 16. Oh, okay. Um, and I'm the kind of person that I'm like, don't tell me, hey, that's great, honey, let's move on. Um, <laughs> I want you to be very blunt and very honest. Right. Um, and if there's anyone that could be that with you, it's Andy. Um, he, he's a very straight shooter, especially in the band. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, anything we write, I'm treated like just another member, and I love that. Like, we can kind of separate that really well. Right. Um, and as far as I know, it's not been weird for anyone that's been in the band either. So, oh, okay. So it wasn't the marriage that chased away previous members then? It's not surprisingly. <laughs> um, we did have one member a while ago, um, that it kind of got weird with and there was some sexism there. Oh, um, okay. and then, so that kind of like got, got him out. But, right, um, right. yeah, for the most part, um, you know, it's never been weird. Like, me and Ernest and me and Winston are really good friends, just as Andy is with them. Um, you know, we we consider them all our best friends. There's definitely been times in previous lineups that I felt like I was just, hey, you're the wife in the band. Ah, um, okay. But with this lineup, you know, it's no different. No, that's awesome to hear. Originally, the reason why I asked was because I didn't know originally when I listened to it if you guys were married or if you were brother and sister. Yeah, it's funny. A lot of people don't. Um, and there's times like we even joke about it. Well, we'll have people come up to us and be like, hey, your guitarist is really hot. Or, hey, your vocalist is really hot. We're like, yeah, you should go talk to him or something. <laughs> um, but, yeah, we don't make it a big thing. No. Um, a lot of the times it shows we're definitely off doing our own thing and networking. Um, 
And so a lot of people don't know it shows that we're a couple until like they're like, hey, you guys have the same last name. What's that about? No, totally makes sense. Well, let's go back now because we're I've been talking your ear off, I'm sure. But let's go back to what we know is a drop, which by the time this comes out, it will have come out and you'll be you know doing a tour with it as well. Now, I read that that is not the only EP that's going to be coming out. You also have a second EP coming out in 2018. Is that right? Yeah. So we have um, the second half of our EP is actually going to be coming out in the fall. Okay. Um, so, you know, a lot of that splitting up came from, you know, having the time to really be able to pay since we're a DIY band, be able to pay for the two separate parts and make mm-hmm. sure that, you know, we, we pay attention both and get the same kind of treatment on both. Um, right. And then also, you know, we didn't want to put out one record and then not have anything from us for a good while. Um, so a lot of it was also marketing strategy to have, you know, keep that energy that comes from our first DP and then have something new coming out soon after. Oh, okay. That is actually really interesting marketing wise. Yeah. You get to put out this EP, you get to do a tour. So that way you have something physical and something that you can tour with. And then that gives you a time. Now, are you done writing all the tracks for the new EP? Is that all set? Or is it just... Um, not at all. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> so we have one song that's actually a really old song that we haven't done in a while. And we kind of reversed that and rewrote that. Okay. Um, and that's the only song as of right now that is done for that EP. And we're kind of starting the writing process now of the second EP. Ah, all right. So having one track and having announced that there's going to be another EP later on in the year, does that put any stress on you? Or are you just excited to be, you know, starting the writing process again? Um, Honestly, I think we're excited about it. I think anytime we put out something new and like we get, you know, any kind of positive response from that, we kind of take that and run from it. Mm-hmm. Um, Personally, writing under pressure is kind of my thing. Oh, okay. Um, So we've had several songs that we've written and I haven't had the lyrics done until like the week before our first show that we play it. Uh-huh. Um, And I don't know if it's like that added, like, hey, I got to get this done. That kind of gives me more urgency to write the lyrics. Right. Um, But yeah, we've definitely had to kind of do things on a time crunch in the past. Um, and I don't think that's ever been a crutch for us. Okay. Um, writing, uh, being in school for music, you know, there was definitely a lot of, hey, you have to compose a song by this time. So, like, I'm kind of used to that. Um, so, I don't think there's a whole lot of pressure there. And also, I think we have a lot of um, kind of bare bone ideas that mm-hmm. are in the back pocket. Be that, like, you know, simple riffs that, you know, Andy's kind of worked on. Um, or, or little ideas here and there from things we've listened to and been inspired by. Oh, um, okay. So, so I think we always kind of have stuff in the back burner. It's just kind of like really piecing them together and getting the final product out. Ah, okay. So I guess the background is for this EP, which is called, once again, What We Know Is A Drop. I remember saying that in my head multiple times and saying there's something that doesn't seem complete about that. And we had talked about it before. I wanted to make sure I could say it. But the next EP is going to be the second part of that quote because that actually is a quote from sir isaac newton it's going to be what we don't know is an ocean correct yeah so that's correct so actually um all of our song titles are also based off quotes um from different movies books um we kind of like really thought about little little quotes that we hear in there and now Mm -hmm. um and we write them down 
And then we kind of say, hey, what really pieces together to match this song or this album? Um, and that was one quote that kind of came up and, and really resonated with us because we could split it up in a way to like have the two EPs um, and it, it to be a complete sentence together. Right. Right. No, I think it's very cool. So that just was something that you just enjoyed and went from there. So let me ask you this then. I won't ask it for every track, but I do want to know because I had mentioned before the single is a very long sentence. Where does she knows who she is? She just forgot for a little while. Where does that come from? So um, it's actually from a Donald Miller book. Um, oh, and okay. I, I really don't remember um, all of his book titles. I wrote, read a lot of his books um, kind of growing up, um, but I just remembered loving his literature. And so I kind of actually kind of cheated a little bit and Googled some quotes from his books. Sure. Um, and that's one of the ones that I came up with on my search. And I was like, hey, that really matches, you know, the mood of the song and what the song's about. Mm -hmm. um, and so that that's where it comes from. It's a Donald Miller quote. No, that that works. And that's I was tripping over that when I was talking about it on the weekly show that we do. So that's why I just had to know that one. But that's cool because now people can, you know, look up the new EP and they can look at some of the song titles and try and figure out where they're from. Yeah, and that's the funny thing is, like, literally it was a bunch of quotes between, like, Andy and I that came up with. So then I'm like, wait, which quote was this from? And it's <laughs> like, I know the quotes now, but I don't fully know which which one came from what. Right. Um, I know one of ours is from It, and I will uh, remember that one. Um, I'm assuming it's Bill. Yep, that's the one. Okay, good, um, good, good. Yeah, but uh, definitely, it, it, I think the concept of doing that actually came from... Um, we wrote a song a good while ago before we were broken harmonics. Um, mm -hmm. Andy and I did another side project that we don't like to talk about, ah, okay. um, but the, one of the songs that I wrote was actually inspired by a movie that we had watched together. Um, and I, I realized how much influence that, you know, movies and books and listening to other songs and like little quotes here and there, um, even if we don't fully notice it at the time, um, kind of inspires to, to write our own thing and right. take that, creativity and kind of make it into our own oh very true and actually that is a perfect segue for something that i do like to ask people that are on the show what is the way that you de-stress like what else you have your nine to five you might be doing your you know solo acoustic work you're doing this but with literature and movies and whatnot inspiring you to you know make different song titles what is one of your favorite pastimes are you a big movie person are you a big book person what works for you um definitely a little bit of both um more movies and tvs recently um i you know my job i stare at a computer screen so reading is a little <laughs> bit like doing work for me at this point sure. um but yeah i definitely love watching um watching tv and and honestly um i'm very much into anything that makes my brain work which is kind of funny because it's like a lot of people like to watch lighthearted things to kind of de-stress from the day um yeah. but um some of the shows that i've really loved recently um we've we just got through watching dark not too long ago oh, um sure which was all subtitles so i guess it was kind of reading right. um we couldn't do it in the english layover i had to do the german with the subtitles to gotcha. feel the emotion right. um but we watched dark um and then i'm very much into mystery um okay. but i don't like obvious mystery shows um although i do watch criminal minds so i can't <laughs> fully say that <laughs> right. um but um shows like luther and marcella um 
and Broadchurch or some like oh, okay. I, I'm very I'm a sucker for British mystery shows. Ah, um, right. I, I think they write them a little bit differently. Um, I know a lot of like NCIS and Criminal Minds is kind of more of a a lighthearted, but you know the the British ones that I've watched have definitely been. Um, more, I don't want to say intellectual, but they've definitely been more like, you don't know what's going to happen and a lot of, you know, trying to figure it out. And I I like to have that element of like, I don't really know what's happening here. (laughs) Sure, sure. Oh, that makes total sense. Well, let me, I, there is something before we wrap up that I did forget to ask you too. So obviously I mentioned I'm a huge soccer fan. Are you a soccer fan at all? Um, I haven't been able to follow it recently as much as I would have loved to. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but I will say that no matter what happens, I am a Man U fan. I have to delete um, this whole episode. And I get a lot of slack for that. <laughs> um, it's actually funny. Our um, synth player is a big soccer fan and he loves Arsenal. Oh. Um, and I just found that out from a keychain when we were recording and it was kind of too late and he was in the band so I couldn't do anything about exactly. it. Um, exactly. But my dad's from Manchester. Ah, um, okay. he, he grew up in Wales for a good while but his whole family's been Man U fans yeah um so it's kind of like a a a kind of family thing that i've always had to follow (laughs) um my mom was a derbyshire girl so um she she supported derby and then being from wolverhampton it was wolverhampton wolves but that wasn't a good team to me so i stuck with man u um and at the time i was watching it they were you know definitely a big thing like we we actually brought rooney on right before i left and like that was new and exciting um so, yeah, I definitely somewhat, like, I will still say I claim it, even though I don't get to watch the game, so I'm a terrible <laughs> fan. Um, and then I grew up watching rugby a lot, so I'm a little bit oh. more towards the rugby side of sure. things than soccer. I played it, so oh, um, nice. I, I can understand it a little bit more. <laughs> Do you get to watch any of, like, the the Nations Cup or anything like that? I didn't, and I hated it. <laughs> so my family sent me text updates. Um, ah. throughout it all so I kind of felt like I was there right um but we had so much going on we were at the time working on the new record um so most of our weekends were spent either recording or doing pre-pro or writing right. songs right. so I didn't get to watch it um but I followed it vicariously through them I guess nice. very nice well Billy even though you are a Man U fan and that I just can't believe that I should have known that every person who I've had on the show has been a Man U fan whenever we talk about soccer. I'm still waiting at some point. I think we've had one Liverpool fan on, and that was the greatest person ever. But I got to deal with Man U fans. I totally understand. But I'm not going to hold that against you because I love your music and I love harm. So what I'm going to do, I'll have links in the description of the episode so that everyone can get in touch with you guys, so they can support you, find out where you are on tour, Pick up the new EP, What We Know is a Drop, and then also, obviously, stay tuned for the second part of that EP as well. But until then, what is the best way for people to support you? Um, honestly, um, just following us on Facebook, um, if you if you enjoy our stuff, um, definitely try to share it, get it out there. Um, you know, we've had a lot of word of mouth recently, and that's helped us out a ton. You guys know people that we don't know. So, um, yeah, and and just come out and see us if we're around you guys. We love meeting new people and getting to to make those networks. So um, just kind of follow us and come out and <laughs> come out and greet us if we're around you. <laughs> well, awesome, Billy. Once again, thank you very much for being on the show. I had a lot of fun, and I am looking forward to everything that you guys do. 
Thank you so much for having me. It was awesome. Absolutely. All right, everyone. I hope you enjoyed that. I did too, even with the whole Man U revelation. Make sure to pick up the new EP, What We Know Is A Drop, and support Harm by following the links in the description of the episode. Thanks once again to Billy for coming on the show. If you enjoyed that, don't forget to support Ian Hates by following the other links in the description of the episode. Thank you all for listening and for your continued support. I'm going to leave you tonight with the single from What We Know Is A Drop. She knows who she is. She just forgot for a little while. And I will leave you the way I always do. Long days and pleasant nights. Thanks, everyone. Yeah!